that's the good thing about the human spirit. It is, it is uh, irrepressible. One cannot uh, repress it. <laughs> Speaking of love, uh, we have a note here from Sydney. Love can be fantastic. Sydney, Australia, not Sydney Weinstein. You know, old Sid. No, this is uh, <laughs> from Sydney, Australia. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the way my mind works. A love peck between two magpies is believed to have blacked out large parts of Sydney for 40 minutes. The magpies were sitting on separate 11,000 volt power lines. 11,000 volt power lines, gang. Oh, I believe one magpie probably kissed the other. And then whammo! A spokesman for the McKellar County Council, which is where Sydney is, said, well, that was a loud explosion. Blue flashes of transformer nearly fused, blacking and surrounding areas, and several power lines burned through, falling to the ground. It was a hell of a night, the spokesman said. But two birds were found together dead at the foot of a transformer pile. It was some night. Wow, way to go. Well, now, yes, sir, that's true. I'll tell you this, though. When you, you when magpies are fairly... Uh, that's a hot stuff, I want to tell you. When a magpie kisses another magpie, that's passion. And uh, and <laughs> I can see this magpie, you know, looking over at the other magpie. It says, oh, God, I can't stand it any longer, Ethel. And uh, he just reaches over to give her a little peck on the cheek, you know. <laughs> what a fantastic... Uh, well, that's what we all dream of. We, we dream of the ultimate uh, passionate... Uh, expression of sex. We all dream of this. And uh, the magpie, of course, you know, you know, you ever seen anything about magpies? You ever see a magpie? Well, you know, it's a kind of a biggish, blackish bird. Yeah, it's a pretty good-sized bird. And uh, they sit on wires a lot. Yes. And uh, they do. I mean, they, they got a thing on wires. And uh, one day, a terrible experience happened coming home from school. You know, it, I, I have a feeling that uh, that many kids who live in uh, really strictly urban areas do not necessarily do a lot of the things that kids who live in what could be called suburban areas as opposed to suburban areas. Suburban means almost urban. Suburban. Suburban. Uh, suburban, of course, is uh, Darien. But uh, that's something else again. I'm talking about guys that li are living out in the area where the city is beginning to peter out, but it's still a city, right? Well, that's the, that's the area that I lived in. And it's a city, see? Well, there were a lot of alleys out there where we lived. And uh, you don't have alleys out here in the east. You don't know what a, do you know what an alley is? Do I have to explain alleys to you? Basements? Do I have to explain that thing? You know what a basement is? You don't know. Well, I, I, what, I, what I'm saying here is, is that there's such a basic lack of communication between one section of the country and the other, that it's almost impossible to communicate. Oh, yeah, you tell a guy who lives, uh, has lived all his life in Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, about the double-A train, he don't know what the hell you're talking about. Hey, he hasn't even seen decent graffiti, you know. You know, or maybe once in a while in a men's room in Las Vegas or something like that, but I mean real work in graffiti. Uh, some of the subway cars we got now today, you can't even see the wheels. I mean, you know, for all the graffiti. You think you're stepping into a gigantic mosaic of obscenity. Uh, <laughs> whenever you get into a car, you know, really. So, so uh, the communication is, is a tough thing to handle. 
And uh, if I have to explain alleys to you, I will explain an alley to you. I guess a lot of kids listening think it's the name of a, a comic strip or something, Alley Hoop or something. But uh, alleys, alleys are like a, a street behind your house. It's in the back. And uh, all kinds of things happen in the alley. Uh, like people throw junk out in alleys. See, and the, and the, and the, the uh, sanitation disposal unit arrives, better known as the garbage man. So uh, we used to come home via the alley. You want to hear a sickening story? Don't write me a letter and say, Here, Shepard, I used to listen to you when you were such a nice young man. But however, you... No, I'm sorry. I, I never was nice. And uh, you weren't listening well. That's all I have to say. That's true. I've always been subversive. But uh, when, you, when you, you... How do you start this way? Well, you start by experiences. Some people never had experiences in their lives. And I think it's because... They follow the beaten path from the time they're a kid. When their mother says, go to Sunday school, they do. Now, there's a certain percentage who say they're going, but go somewhere else. All right, now, they, you know, right for starters, they're in, they're in another path. You're hearing another drummer. Now, when many kids, when they go to school, walk right down the, you know, the street. They, they, go, they walk down the sidewalk and they take the bus, right? There is a small but discernible minority who, when they go to school, go by way of the alleys, the used car lots. They go uh, climbing through people's backyards. In other words, they skulk through the byways of existence rather than the main highway. And when you do that, you see many things that the guy who's taking the bus never sees. Now, I'll give you an example. The magpie thing. Want to hear about the magpies? Well, magpies tend to sit on wires. Now, there's a certain thing that kids do, at least we did, uh, male kids. You don't see many girl kids doing this. Now, maybe it's because... They, uh, you know, were held down, suppressed. They did not have the opportunity, all the rest of the, the cultural jazz. But anyway, boys tend to throw things more often than girls, in my opinion. Now, is this, uh, is this, uh, you going to argue with me, Gloria? Or uh, Mrs. Friedan? I mean, are you? Uh, did, did you throw a lot of stuff when you were a kid? You threw things, right? Did you? Males do they tend to throw things called rocks. These are little round objects or irregular shaped objects. For those of you who truly live in a tamed a suburban world where you might not have these things, a rock is a small, irregular shaped, hard object that is picked up off the ground. You agree? Makes a fantastic projectile. And uh, some people are better than others at throwing rocks. Well, a slingshot is something else. That, uh, that's when you're going into the mechanical contrivance. But just for plain, ordinary, walking home from school, rocks rolling stuff, you know, slingshots, that takes equipment. And, uh, but you don't need any equipment except a, a very good rubber arm to throw rocks. Now, a rock thrower, a really good rock thrower, needs an object at which to throw the rock. There's no point in just throwing rocks. And, of course... There were two types of rock throwing. One is the pure accuracy throw. 
which is a level line drive throw of uh, varying lengths, usually of a fairly short length, maybe 50, 60 feet, but uh, thrown as hard as you could throw it and directly at the object. Got to the point, you know, where most of us could, could uh, you know, break a bottle that was laying on the ground at the maybe 40 or 50 feet. This is real rock throwing. And, uh, you know, hard line drive shots. And we used to approve of each other's shots. Then, of course, there was the long distance, well, let's put it this way, the long distance mortar, mortar or artillery type shot in which the trajectory is important. Judging distance, trajectory, uh, windage, all the rest of that. This is another type, more of an outfield throw than an infield throw. So we used to practice both. We'd walk down the street, you know, and you'd wind up, and you'd dip way back, and you'd, the rock would practically touch the ground behind you. You know, you'd cock your left foot out high if you were a right-hander and let that rock go, man. I mean, really, throw it. And the least just walk around, and, and you'd pick up great rocks, even to this day. Once you're a rock thrower, it never really totally leaves your head. And I often get the urge as I'm walking along 6th Avenue and I see a rock on the street there, a piece of chunk of concrete, to want to pick it up and hurl it at a signboard. Uh, this, <laughs> or, or, you, you ever hit that feeling? And, you know, it's terrible being a grown-up. You can't get through this stuff. If you did it as a grown-up, you'd probably get picked up for malicious uh, mischief. If you're a kid, people applaud if you hit something. So, anyway, we're walking home one day, and we, you know, you have various experiences as rock throwers. Uh, sometimes, you know, usually a, a great throw. Uh, often it's, it's, a, it's a throw that went completely haywire. Sometimes you'll get a great throw when you don't want a great throw. Like uh, you'll throw at, at some kids that are way up ahead, you know, just to, just to let them know you're there, you see a rock bounce. And you, you suddenly discover with, with you, it, really, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult emotion because on the one hand, it's a fantastic throw. On the other hand, it scares the hell out of you. You see this rock going right down, pop, it hits this kid right on the head at 250 feet, you know. <laughs> it's like throwing out a strike. They're like throwing a strike from deep center field at Shea Stadium. Well, this happens occasionally. Have you ever hit a kid on the head with a rock from, from a long throw? You got one, huh? Or you were a hittee rather than a hitter. You hit him too. <laughs> some days it was one, some days the other. All right. Sure, that's right. You could clunk with rocks occasionally. We used to, did you ever have rock fights? We used to have regular pitched rock fights. Where, where guys would, you know, I mean, where, where about six guys on a side, you know, they would be battling it out, throwing rocks at each other. Now, that could get to be mean. I'll tell you this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've never seen girls have rock fights. Now, they may have them, and I'm sure that I'm going to get letters from ladies who claim they did, but I never saw any. So, but nevertheless, this is a, this is a boy thing, this rock thing. So we were coming home from school one day when this happened. We were walking along, you know, we're the veteran rock throwers. And Schwartz was not known uh, in, among us rock throwers as a guy with a particularly long arm. He was fairly accurate, but no more than most. He was, uh, let's say, he was a come see, come saw rock man. But like uh, any, anybody who knows anything about athletics will tell you that even the most mediocre athlete, if he, you know, just continues to play, will have one day where he's unbeatable. Oh, yeah. There have been guys who have pitched no hit, no run games. 
that wound up two weeks later at Syracuse and never arose above Moline from that day on. Correct, Jerry? This happens quite often. And, you know, often enough to, to really get you kind of bugged. So Schwartz is walking along with me on his day, and the alley had the telephone poles in it. You know, poles all down the alley with wires crossing all over the place. And we're walking along, and uh, Schwartz is uh, picking up rocks and throwing them at stuff. Fences, kids, dogs, you know, just a general movement going on around you there. The great vast panoply of life, the rich effluvia of existence. And he's throwing stuff. Zap, zap, zap. And I'm throwing away there. And we see down at the end of the block, which is a good, oh man, I'm telling you, a good long throw. I'd say about uh, close to 200 feet or better, you know, way down at the end of the block, sitting right in the middle of the alley on a wire that crossed the alley, two magpies. I said, Nancy. At which point, Schwartz, Schwartz reaches down, he takes this rock, and he winds up, you know, he leans back. Now, we had often thrown at birds. In fact, most of, you know, every time you saw a bird, you throw a rock at him. to be honest with you. You never hit a bird. And so Schwartz leans back, and he just lets this baby go. He, sh- he throws his rock. <laughs> so Schwartz lays that throw out, and, you know, arched up. And the instant it began to move, it looked good. You get so that you judge these things. It's funny. You, you develop a sixth sense. It's like a, it's like a bowler, you know, when you, when you lay that ball down on the alley. It hasn't, it hasn't gone two feet, and you know it looks good. It's, it's got a good feel about it. Well, Schwartz threw this rock, and the instant he let it go, it looked good. Well, the rock is climbing. His trajectory, this is a good 200-foot throw. So the rock is climbing, climbing, climbing. Now, remember, we weren't little kids, so we could, we could get a good throw on that rock. We were probably 14 or 15, you know. The rock is climbing up and up and up and up. And, and we both stopped and watched it. A very rare occurrence. Because rarely does one kid watch another kid's rocks. You know, this is nothing that you do. He's a, we stopped watching because the rock is going up and it, it is right on target, man. It is right on line. Well, that rock is climbing higher and higher and then it starts to descend. And as it descends, these two dumb fat birds are sitting down there, you know. <laughs> Just talking away. <laughs> this rock came down, and I want to tell you what a sight it was. The rock came down, and whap! It hits this bird right on top of the right on top of the noggin, you know. Just bap, and he goes ah! <laughs> he just makes one ah! And he goes tumbling down off this wire. See, end over end, he's really bopped on the on the beezer. See, well, he, he flops down. He just goes zap, 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 and he flops in the middle of the. In the middle of the alley, ah, he goes, and at that point, the other bird, <laughs> the other bird is astounded. He looks around, and he, and he was he was caught completely off guard. You know, this bird disappeared completely off guard. So he goes, ah, he looks around, and then he takes off, and he circles about three times looking for, what the hell happened to Harold, you know? He's, he's circling around. Well, Schwartz and I are standing in the alley, so just like that. Well, now, generally speaking, I want to tell you, Generally speaking, uh, you didn't get much in the way of an audience when you threw rocks. Uh, this is a solitary sport. 
Uh, it's a sport that uh, that has often uh, got a certain subterranean charm to it if you if you watch it done well. But the, we never got any audience. Well, that instant that that rock hit that magpie, now we were in an alley. There was nobody around. Just a rock. We the instant it hit that magpie, about nineteen windows went up, and people are yelling out, "Will you guys stop it? Will you to kill the birds?" Well. You know, we had no more idea of killing a bird than, than I have an idea of learning to fly by flapping my arms. This was just an exceptional rock flow. <laughs> you know, the bird was totally extraneous to it, you know. And at that point, this bird got up. He's staggering around. We see him down there. See? He ain't out. He's just staggering around. See? He's walking around staggering. Well, if you've ever seen a magpie reeling around an alley, he was reeling around, and then he, he, you know, he suddenly starts coming to us, and he goes, ah, 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 and he takes off, and he's flapping his wings, and he's flying sort of half-baked. You know, have you ever seen a drunken bird? He's flying along, see, like he's got a snoop full of beer or something, and he's flapping along. When he finally gets his, he gets his pins on him, he takes off, he's starting to go, ah, ah, he's flying away, and this other bird joins him. He's been sitting up on top of a telephone pole watching the whole thing. At that point, these two birds fly off, and the people are yelling. Well, Schwartz and I tell him, we run like hell down the alley, going the other way, see? So, you know, that's it. Well, about three days later, about three days later, <laughs> My mother sitting at the at the kitchen table reading the local paper, and she said, "Say," she says to my father. She never talked about you know, to me about what's in the paper, so she says, "Say, did you see this letter to the editor here?" And the, the old man says, "What is it?" She says, "Well, it, it, it's a it's a it's a letter, see, and it's about these birds, uh, these kids going around killing birds." I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm eating my, my, my meatloaf and red cabbage. <laughs> I don't say anything. You know, I'm sitting there, what, what? She says, so, yeah, it's about... And so the old man reads, and he, you know, he doesn't, he's not interested in this. You know, one way or the other. She, if she said, did you read what happened to the Detroit Tigers, he might be with it, see, but, you know. So he reads it to kind of, to kind of uh, cater to her, you know. And uh, so as casually as I could... I, I'm eating my meatloaf, see, trying to look very cool about it. My kid brother, he, he doesn't know what the hell is going on. He's sitting down there saying, I said, uh, uh, let, me, let me take a look at the paper. I want to see what, uh, uh, you know, what the, who's playing tonight. So I take the paper, say, now look at that. Let's see where she said, there it is, the letters to the editor. And there it was, it says, dear editor, I was witness to one of the most inhuman acts that I have ever seen in my 422 years on this earth. I had thought that I had seen cruelty. I had thought that I had seen evil. But when I saw two men, young men, going to the public schools of this city, wantonly destroying birds by the hundreds as they walked down the alley behind my home, and I want to say this, if the police don't do anything about this wanton destruction of birds, these young men were hurling projectiles at the birds and were killing birds, millions of birds, as they walked home. This bird situation has got to come to an end. If the mankind is going, oh my goodness! Have you ever seen a, a, an editor, a letter to the editor about you? This is an experience, friends. And there it was, and I didn't say anything. I mean, you know, nothing. See, so about an hour later, after dinner, 
I am walking down the street, see, and there sitting on the front porch of his house, fooling around with an oil can, trying to get a lawnmower going, is Schwartz. I walk up to Schwartz. I said, hey, Schwartz, did you see the paper tonight? He said, what paper? I said, Schwartz, get the paper. So he goes in the house. He comes out with a paper. He says, what's in the paper? I says, read the letters to the editor. Now, kids never read that column. He says, read the letters to the editor. What do you mean? I says, the letters to the editor, Schwartz. There is a letter in there about Y-O-U. about me? What would I do? I says, well, you just pick up that paper and read, Schwartz. And Schwartz reads the letter. He's reading it, you know. And you can see his face is getting whiter and whiter. <laughs> He's scared. Say, police. They're the police. are going to have to patrol the alley and watch out for these evil types. And Schwartz says, wow. He says, gee, what are we going to do? I says, I would suggest that uh, we begin to walk down the street instead of the alley, Schwartz. I would also suggest keep your yap shut, as I am proceeding to do. I have never thrown a rock in my life, Schwartz, and either of you, right? He said, oh, boy, no. Well, from that moment on, our rock throwing was extremely inhibited. We took to throwing them underhand, which, as you know, is, uh, you know, the way little kids and girls throw, <laughs> you know. And then... Gradually, we slowly began to start letting the old arm go again, you know. Started to throw again. Throw them again. One after the other. The arm started to go. Well, it's about maybe six or seven weeks later. By now, the magpies have been forgotten, disappeared into the distance of the mind. The great windmills of existence have blown aside the dusty corners of the closets of the human psyche. <laughs> we are coming home again down the street there. And I said to Schwartz, Schwartz, watch this. And I throws this rock with a long, you know, just a beautiful throw. Get a lot of shoulder into it. And it was again one of those moments when you know it's going to hit. It's going to hit. 200 feet down the street, attached to the side of a telephone pole is a red box with a little peaked roof on it. I hit that baby with a rock that must have weighed four pounds, and I mean it was a direct hit. Boom! Like that. And it came right off! And you know what kind of a box I'm talking about, do you? I couldn't believe how fast the action started at that point. It hit that box, and the instant it hit the box, it just seemed like the rock had not yet touched the ground on the rebound before all around us in the distance we hear sirens coming Schwartz turns and runs he says David let's go I said Schwartz don't don't yell let's go let's go scrap it don't waste on the yell we're running we ran down the alley and again heads are coming out to me well we ran through 15 alleys under 17 fences through garages and we wound up laying under this front porch again. That was the one last refuge you find, you know, with the front porch with the slats like you could land it and nobody ever went under. We're under the front porch looking out through the weeds, and you could see about 25 fire engines. 
out there, and these firemen are walking around looking mad. You know, they're looking around there, and there's their firebox hanging by a couple of wires. <laughs> well, that was my last official act as a competitive rock thrower. I, I gave up official competition uh, shortly thereafter because it began to get pretty dangerous. Because you know when you're a little kid and you throw rocks, one, you can't throw them so far. Two, you're not nearly as accurate. And three, they don't tend to put three-year-old kids in a slam. Uh, however, once you start getting good at it, you better be careful. So we, we, you know, we kind of gave up rock throwing as an actual sport. But I might say this. It would break out sporadically. Just break out like, uh, like uh, you know, just like a rash, like a cold sore. And uh, you'd get that nervous feeling that you're going to have success. See, rock throwing is one of those sports where, on the one hand, uh, you, you, of course, do it because you want success. On the other hand, you can be in terrible trouble if you get it. It's like going shark fishing with your bare hands. I mean, you go shark fishing because you want to catch a shark, but then you're liable to regret the fact you did, right? So I'm just warning any of you kids out there that are taking up rock throwing for the first summer. And this is when rock throwing is at its absolute peak. This is the period. And I'm just going to warn you that uh, you, you can get too good at it. Well, I don't have to tell you within three days what is in the paper on the editor, letters to department, right? The angry letter. It says, firemen risk lives. <laughs> Little headline. It says, once again, I was treated to the spectacle of the endless false alarms, which are constantly being turned in in this town. Vandals struck late last night in our area and not only turned in a false alarm, but destroyed the alarm box. This, uh, oh my God. So we kind of cooled it. I mean, you, you tend to learn how it feels when you start finding yourself on the editorial page under a black headline that says, how long or when is this going to stop? You tend to get a humble view of life. I don't think that's ever happened to, to Walter Cronkite. I don't suppose it's ever happened to you either. But uh, for those of us who have been through the editorial bath of fire, we never had the same since. Now, yet I must say this, I'm still proud of my arm. Given the proper opportunity, I'll, I'll go rock throw with anybody, even rock there. Because I might add, throwing a rock requires different and more special skills than throwing, say, a uh, Spalding baseball, which is uniform in substance, uniform in weight. After you've learned to throw rocks really well, throwing a baseball is crazy kid stuff. I'd love to see it, like, you know, in an amusement park where they have that sort of baseballs at the bottles. If they let you use rocks. <laughs> oh, man. Hit the magpie, you know, with a rock. Uh, you see, there are many things under the sun, friends. And not all of them The more you eat a life, the more you want, friends. It is a heady bird. Yep, you're listening to Old Rubber Eye. 
by Fresco Records in this department. And that's rock skipping in the audience. Oh, yes, I can get 15, 20 pounces. Now that takes a side on. It's got to be a good side on picture to do that. Gotta get that, you know, that side on. That sort of three quarter on. That flat rock, you know, you gotta hold it just right. I'm gonna skip a rock all the way across the park, man, if you get a chance. You've been listening to Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator on the contemporary scene. The Gene Shepard Show is a presentation of WBEC, National Public Radio for Chicago. <laughs> Stay tuned now for All Things Considered, the Peabody Award-winning news program for National Public Radio. This program is a rebroadcast of last night's edition of All Things Considered. From National Public Radio in Washington, All Things Considered. Susan Stamberg, on this 40th anniversary of the fatal shooting of the Louisiana governor and senator, Huey Long's Pulitzer Prize-winning biographer remembers that controversial career. This is Bob Edwards. Also tonight, a U.S. senator calls for further investigation into President Kennedy's death, and we talk to some listeners about presidential protection. We'll examine the anti-busing violence in Louisville and Boston and ask why high school seniors had lower scores on this year's college entrance exams. Henry Kissinger briefs a House committee on the Sinai Agreement and a report from the United Nations. Another big...